Hello, welcome to or welcome back to the Motby Podcast. My name is Emily. My name is Sage. My name is Phoebe. And we are your hosts. So before we start our podcast or the episode we want to go off of, we're going to do a little discussion about Valentine's Day because it's Valentine's Day. Um, <laughs> so thank you guys for being my Valentine's. You guys are great. You're, You're so welcome. <laughs> so what do you guys think about Valentine's Day as a whole? Um, I'd say I think none of us are an authority. Um, I have opinions. I have a lot of opinions. Oh, okay. I think it's it's nice if you celebrate it and if you like do something with your friends or with your significant other or whatever. Like that's good for you. But also, um, in my opinion, it's just kind of fake. <laughs> it's not much of a holiday. I agree. Like I... it was made for capitalism and to like sell chocolate and all that. I, I Hallmark invented I it to sell the totally coffee. I yeah. agree. I think that Valentine's Day is kind of stupid. I personally I do think I think it's really sweet. Like the I think the idea behind it is a good yeah. idea. But it just Hater. Hater. It, <laughs> It just it doesn't come out that way, and I also think that a lot of couples that do celebrate it, like they go way over than they need to. Like if I was dating someone around Valentine's Day, you know what I mean? Like I wouldn't want it to be a whole big deal. Like yeah, like maybe watch a movie. That's about it. <laughs> like you yeah. do something, but not like where you give them like. I don't know, roses, chocolates, like, teddy bears. That's what I think of. But, like, you know, the whole thing, I just think that that's crazy. Yeah, and there's definitely, like, a bit of a stigma of, like, not having a Valentine's on Valentine's Day. Yeah. Which, like, is dumb. (laughs) Yes. I I would like to say, I do think that that has disappeared a little bit. Yeah. You know, like, I I don't feel like that's... I think that that's one of those things that might get romanticized a little bit more in, like high school movies or like most movies that came out of the 80s um but you know I I feel like it's cute and I think it's like you know kitschy fun and stuff I also see it like if it's your if you are in a relationship with somebody and it's your first valentine's day together you know like that's super sweet you might want to do something but I do think that going like crazy overboard and you know like spending a ton of money on this thing that's just I don't know might very well be another regular tuesday and the two of you have to work yeah. or something, yeah. you know like that i yeah like i'd much rather like go all out on like an anniversary or something yeah, yeah. or even like a birthday especially or, like, a birthday yeah go yeah. travel somewhere together you know what i mean like mm-hmm. i think that's a little extreme yeah. for a teenager but like i feel like when i think of valentine's day i think of like 20 year olds you know doing it does that make sense and I think that going yeah. really off of the, t- like, overboard is kind of, like, that range. I also think that teenagers go overboard as well, but, you know, mm-hmm. I I don't know. <laughs> yeah. I will say, I, I feel like this seems a little, um, I mean, it's kind of judgy, and I, I don't mean this as a catch-all by any means, but I do think that a lot of the time, at least some of the time, the people who go 
really overboard for Valentine's Day are the people who are not in it for a very seriously committed relationship. I kind of agree. You know what yeah. I mean? Like, it's a very glamorized thing because it's like, we won't have another one. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Where they just go, like, really overboard because, like, they just... It, it, I feel like there's just, like, some... It's only going to happen Yeah, once. exactly. <laughs> like, it's not going to last very long. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I think like Valentine's Day should it should be it shouldn't be like heavily celebrated if you don't want like it shouldn't be like such a big event, you know? I agree. I gotta say, I I could see Valentine's Day very easily being a holiday that like a lot of people have strong emotional trauma attached to. Oh yeah. My mother hates Valentine's Day. You know Day what I mean? Like multiple yeah. of her like boyfriends broke up with her on Valentine's Day. Okay, that is Which the is so worst cruel. thing ever to do. Like, yeah. you know, it, it. You can't wait another twenty-four exactly. hours. Yeah. <laughs> like, I mean, if they cheat on you, then I understand. But like, if there's, it's just like you not liking them anymore. Like, you can wait a day. <laughs> you don't want to be that person that broke up. Like, and I think that also goes with like the the culture around valentine's day is like it's such a like a heavily like love day that like i don't know no one can really mess up on that day (laughs) it's oversaturated yeah yeah Yeah. no i mean on the breaking up no i could see that being a like even if you're not someone who celebrates valentine's day like it really means nothing to you if somebody broke up with you on valentine's day that's another layer like that's yeah i gotta say (laughs) when it's a like I feel like I feel like you really have an axe to grind. Like yeah. <laughs> you're you were trying to make a point. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I agree. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, if you can't bite your tongue and bear it for another few hours. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> now on from one of the most political holidays of the year to actual yeah. politics. Welcome to our election. <laughs> <reflection>. Yeah. <laughs> Perfect segue. Could I be a game show host? I that was, that was <laughs> such a good segue. <laughs> yes. Okay. Valentine's Day. Valentine's Day probably is one of the most political. It really of the year. is. As in, you capitalism. know, politicky between people. <laughs> yes, capitalism profitable. <laughs> Did you guys know that President's Day is a really big, uh, like, mattress sales? Yeah, day? I didn't know yeah. that. Yeah, like, so was Memorial Day. Well, no to idea. be fair, you haven't really had cable in a long time, so. I haven't had cable. I gotta say though, mattress ads, moi, <laughs> like premium television. My favorite are like the ones where it's like mattress king, and there's like a king, you know, really <laughs> the uh, lives up to the um, name. <laughs> yeah. Oh, did you hear? Uh, you know that Parkland shooting survivor that Marjorie Green like assaulted? No. No. <laughs> Yeah. yeah this woman our congress uh, one of our congresswomen ran after a parkland shooting survivor this kid's a teenager and called him a coward like chased him in the street she's a grown what? woman oh my God. yeah because she thinks the whole thing was fake that he faked a shooting oh, and didn't Lord. see his friends die oh my god yeah but i was saying it on a happier note because obviously the shooting isn't but that guy is opening a pillow company to compete with the uber conservative my pillow guy and that is legendary wow. there's so many layers to that yeah 
It's like one thing yeah, after another. Yeah, there's a lot. There's a lot going on there. <laughs> there's so Hold many. On. I, I want to make sure that I'm not messing any part of that story up, but I I have heard it. I have not researched it, so Got don't it. don't hold me to that. But yeah. Anyway, another transition into politics. So. Today, in this particular episode, we'll just be kind of talking about everything that's happened over the last few months, because it has certainly been eventful. A little bit about what the new administration is doing, the fallout from the old administration, and the scary, scary turtle man, Mitch McConnell. (laughs) Yes, and while it has been a little, like, a month and a half um, since, like, the election and what we've known um and our new administration we um we're still gonna try to like reflect on what's happened because i think everyone can agree that 2020 and the beginning of 2021 so far has been very eventful (laughs) um regarding the election just itself um so Yeah. yeah um yeah, I mean, the election drama didn't really, still hasn't really no. ended. Yeah. <laughs> Real quick, I, like, as the first topic I want us to, like, breach, I wanted to ask, like, your thoughts on everything that happened from Election Day to Inauguration Day, including January 6th, including the month-long counting of the votes and all of that, and the, the impeachment, impeachment trial. trial. Yeah. Yeah, I think the first thing we can ask, like, talk about is, like, kind of our emotions in general of the election this year. Yeah, honestly, I think that that's probably a really good place to start just because, I mean, like Emily, Emily said, it's, it's been a minute now, what, it's November, December, January, so three months, three and a half months-ish. And and just in those three and a half months, a lot's happened, you know what I mean? And a lot of really big things have happened. Yeah, emotions on the election. So, I mean, very quickly, I think that probably a question that we can start out with is, how do you guys feel? How did you, I'll say this, how did you feel immediately after the election? And how has that progressed up until now? So, what are we talking about? Immediately after election day or after the count was officially called by Associated Press? Election day. Election day. Take me through a timeline. Election day. I felt relieved, personally. I felt relieved, like, knowing that, like, Biden was our next president. Although I was nervous that something was going to happen on Inauguration Day. I know that's a little bit ahead, but I was very nervous that something was going to happen on Inauguration Day and that we were going to be witnessing (laughs) something really bad Mm -hmm. happening. (laughs) I don't know about you guys. Election Day turned into Election Week for me, really. And it was horrible. It was yeah, same. very nerve-wracking waiting for the counts and waiting for everything. I am extremely glad that we have Borgia officially. <laughs> Which, to clarify for yes. all of our listeners, is um, Blue Georgia. Um, yeah, I was... Never forget Borgia. Ner- it was horrible. And then on Saturday, it was the Saturday of the week of election, of election day. I woke up and my mom was like, Biden won. And I was like, oh, thank God. <laughs> it felt like I, just, I felt like, like ecstatic about it. You know, it was just a huge weight lifted off my shoulders. I, For me, it didn't lift. I, the, the week of the election, 
I was, I mean, obviously just, I mean, probably like you guys were the night of the election, I was watching the count the whole time as long as I could. And then actually around 10 PM, my parents were like, this isn't going anywhere. Come watch a movie. (laughs) And I was like, no. And they were like, this is, this is not, it's not, nothing's happening. Come watch a movie. And so I did. Um, But I was every hour on the hour for the next five days checking like refreshing chrome watching the ap and i mean i mean that seriously like literally at like 109 209 like because the ap refreshed every single hour and so i was watching all the votes come in and my mom was doing the same thing i was conferring with her like every time a state came in and i remember talking i think i Mm -hmm. talked to both of you guys that week and i talked to another friend of ours who like very casually mentioned to me, oh yeah, I think he, you know, like I looked at it a couple of times, I was with one of our other mutual friends and she's like, I've been with her the past couple of days and she showed it to me and it blew my mind that she was not obsessing. Like I was religious about it. And even, even that Saturday after it like was official and you know, like the AP called the race and stuff, I did not relax. Like, it was cool and I was glad I was like oh yay like they're in but the last four years have left me so jaded that I was kind of like what Emily was saying about inauguration day but that's just kind of how I felt about the whole process I was like mm-hmm. something's gonna happen yeah. I'm waiting for something I to go wrong I definitely get what you're yeah. saying and about like the for last sure four years. I mean yeah. and I have well, also, then something yeah. did go wrong, and January 6th was crazy. Yeah. <laughs> anyway. I mean, I, I mean, yeah, Emily, go first. Sorry, Emily, you go first. Then we'll, we'll talk about January 6th separately. I, There's I a lot have always, there. like, the moment that Trump got elected, what was it, 2018? I can't even remember. The year 2016. Went Whoa, wrong. God. was how I remember it. Oh, my God. The yeah, don't advance. Don't don't uh, eliminate our God, struggles I, for the first two years. I mean, it just has felt like such a long time that I don't even remember another president. <laughs> yeah, and it also um, doesn't help that we were ba- we were children when Obama was president. We grew up no, yeah. basically under the Trump administration. I mean, we were four years isn't a lot, but four years is no, it was yeah. four years of our most critical years. You know. Well, yeah, because that's that was when we could actually pay attention to politics. We were all four when Obama got elected. Like we grew, you know, like young years. We grew yeah, up. But in the yeah, Obama we were under our formative years. But we were way too young to pay Trump. attention. Yeah. Yeah. And I. <laughs> it made us angry. <laughs> that's that's the takeaway. I feel like when the moment that Trump got elected, though, in 2016, I was like, he's going to get reelected, or it's going to be very hard. Mm-hmm for the next person that's running against him like that's just that's what I've always known from the moment that he got elected and so I think the moment that I you know I saw that Biden won I was immediately relieved that first off that Trump actually didn't win because for a minute there I didn't believe it because I I had been it's been so caught up in my mind that Trump was gonna Mm -hmm. win a second term like, I just think, I think my mind has always thought that he was. Um, so immediately I was relieved. And then the next thing I was thinking about, I was like, well, so I'm sure there's going to have to be something go wrong. Because 
it never ends up right. You know what yeah. I mean? Yeah, historically, too yeah. much yeah. has gone and wrong I for this to be okay. Like some of that, like doubt and like fear of something else going wrong, something else happening, something you know, going something's going wrong. But the yeah. what what makes like my outlook different than yours is that these four years made me angry, and with that angry, I especially like in twenty twenty, it, it was very important for me to not let my anger and like my like depression for lack of a better word um get too much to me and I just tried to focus in on any hope or any positivity or any um optimism that I could and that's just what I've always been holding on been holding on to because I can't let myself let anger and just fear overwhelm everything you know what I mean I do want to say, touching back on the note you mentioned earlier, Emily, you said the second Trump got elected, you were sure he was going to win a second term. I had the total opposite, like, progression. I was, I mean, in middle school, I, you know, it's middle school. I was super (laughs) angsty and pessimistic, but I, like just about everybody else in the country, including Donald Trump, did not think that he was going to win the election. I was shocked and bamboozled. And I remember waking up that morning, the, like that morning, I think it was November 7th, 2016, rolling over in bed, checking my phone, putting my phone yeah. down and trying to go back to sleep. Like it, it was awful. And I feel like this weight settled on me that didn't lift. Like the, it was constantly on my mind yeah. for the next four years. And I think I just grew more and more pessimistic and skeptical and suspicious of people in general. And he, that man was so divisive. Like I couldn't hear that anybody was a Trump supporter without immediately being like, oh, I just know I'm not going to like you. It's not even like on a basis of not liking. It was polarizing. It was like, if you're a Trump supporter, you're against me, My my, my fundamental rights. You know what I mean? If you did not like Donald Trump, there was so much going on in America that it was so like like a pressure cooker. And all yeah. of that came out in 2020. And then the Trumpians got mad in 2021, which is what happened with January 6th. Anyway, um, continuingly. So I completely get with what you guys were feeling. But I also, while I don't agree with what happened on January 6th, I do think that a lot of your guys' emotions that you guys felt in um 2016 was kind of the summer emotions that they were probably yeah, feeling. Yeah, I definitely I think agree. It's just a, lo- a matter of how we handled them. No, no, and that's what I'm saying is that yeah. I think they felt the same way. I think when they found out that Biden was elected this year, I feel like they felt like their rights were going to be taken away. <laughs> and yeah. Yeah. And so and they and so Which they is- took the anger yeah. that they had based off of those rights, kind of like what Phoebe was saying where she was angry. Um, you know, they just didn't use the the right tools to stop that anger. They just decided to storm gap. <laughs> and I don't have uh, their most powerful tool, which is privilege. <laughs> well, and I I don't and I guns. mean I agree with that, but I also think that Trump kind of provoked yeah, that. Definitely. Um I don't I don't oh, think that it's necessarily 
they're definitely very privileged. But I think it also helps that Trump was after not only were they angry, but Trump was saying like, let's go storm yeah. like like protest and stuff, which which already is going to start sparking a fire and then that's probably what caused them to storm the yeah, capital. Yeah, he definitely put it so, in their minds. No, yeah, he yeah. lit a he lit yeah, a match exactly. in the powder. He put it and in their minds that even no, actually that he put it in there. Yes. Look, even yesterday even Mitch McConnell himself gave a speech saying Donald Trump is definitely mm-hmm. responsible for this. Like Obviously not those exact words, but that's the actual gist of his speech is him saying, no, but yeah, anyway, Donald Trump was responsible. Him. Even after Mitch McConnell Which voted we'll get, we'll to not to convict we'll him. But we'll get to there. But I do want to say, no, pause, I think pause. that, Emily, you were saying like how they felt about their rights being infringed upon. I, I just want to go back to when right before the election, like seriously, right before the election, when all the Trump supporters, all the talking heads on Fox News were like, if Donald Trump wins this election, y'all will all see, like, yeah. you know, all the liberals will be in the streets and stuff. They're going to tear everything down. And if Trump loses, all of us good Americans <laughs> will be totally happy. And I'd just like to say a real quick ha to Candace Owens and Tucker Carlson. Like, Gain some foresight. Personally, I think in every side, liberal or conservative there's always going to be a group of people that are going to step out of kind of the boundaries that you know society has like put on where you know you don't storm capitals and you don't put yeah. like and there's building also stuff there's leaves. also a big difference it's a between democracy, the Black yeah. Lives Matter protests and what happened on January 6th yeah I agree there's a big difference about yes. what happened yes no I agree for and example, we didn't storm the Capitol. <laughs> and they weren't and, armed. And yeah. I think while Republicans were right in that sense, I don't think that I don't think that as many people as that there was on January 6th, there would have been if Trump won. Does that make sense? I think I you're saying there would have been more protests and stuff. No, Trump, I think there Trump would have been won. less, but I think it, at least to the number of people, like at least in Washington, um, compared to, I think it could have been like small protests around the country, if that makes mm-hmm. sense. I don't think it would have been as extreme nor as big. I mean, I'd also like to make it clear that there were the January, the whole like, debacle on January 6th and the Black Lives Matter protests last summer are incomparable because they happened for such different reasons and despite the fact that the Black Lives Matter protests are so closely intertwined with With politics and with everything the the Republican Party stands for and there's also a lot of fault there on the Democrat side too it's it's not it's not the same by any means and they're super incomparable but there's also a lot of connections between, you know, like a Black Lives Matter protest and the politics that we were seeing, which I think is harder to look at now because we're a few months removed. And that stuff seemed a lot clearer. Like all the protests that have been happening all year were still mm-hmm. very fresh in our minds in November. And it in some ways makes me sad that they have like faded because we have still not resolved this issue that's just how the media is they take stuff out of spotlight 
and seeing as how we're very heavily on media yeah then yeah they're gonna fade which sucks and which is why it's such an important movement yes which sorry i i didn't you know like i didn't want to derail the conversation or anything but i did want to point out they are incomparable but at the same time I, when I say that I think there would have been a lot of protests and stuff if Donald Trump had won, I say that because I think, especially with everything we saw with the Black Lives Matter movement in 2020, Donald Trump winning would have been an extra big slap in the face to all of the disrespect and disregard that we saw for the movement in 2020 already. And... I'm just saying, I, I was saying that sort of as a, as a compounding fact with everything that we saw, that's sort of why I think that there would have been really big protests and stuff. And obviously it's hard to, you know, like say things mm-hmm. like that in hindsight, cause it didn't happen. But I, I also think that despite the fact that the movement and the event on January 6th are incomparable, I do want to make the point that so many other people made, which is, um, Y'all had thousands of National Guard troops staged at every Capitol building in every state. And tear gas. And y'all were firing rubber bullets, pepper balls, like, yeah, tear gas and people. when it was happening in the Like, all across the country. Yeah, and you knew that people were coming. You knew that basically the entirety of the U.S. government, minus the president and nine Supreme Court justices would be president, would be present. And you knew that these people would be armed and you still were just like, yeah, it's okay. Yeah, and I think that's kind of where I disagree with many Democrats. I personally think that while there was, um, you know, great cops that were in the January 6th situation, I don't think that they handled it the best way they could could have. I think a lot, they... They did risk their lives. I mean, people died in that, like, January 6th. Like, they risked their lives for something, you know, that they... I don't think that they necessarily knew the kind of extreme... Like, how extreme it was going to get um, for what they're preparing for. But I also think that they did not do a good job of... If they didn't prepare for it, they should have been quick to figure out how to solve it you know what I mean like you know there was a lot of Black Lives Matter protests where they didn't quite prepare for it to happen but they somehow managed and they went yeah but they somehow managed to have tear gas right 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 away you know what I mean like that that I think you can't say that they're terrible cops but you can't say that they didn't try their best you know what I mean I think it's like yeah I am actually (laughs) going to disagree with you and say both um, I, look, all of those people, they didn't plan in secret meetings at somebody's house over a cup yeah. of tea. They planned on internet forums. The FBI and the Capitol Police knew that. That's not an argument. Yeah. That's not a speculation. They knew. They were aware. <laughs> and they were aware, just like most of America was aware and all of us knew before those people even got to the Capitol. It was Wednesday. Yeah. On I, That was a Wednesday, right? On Wednesday, all of us knew that they were going there yeah. before they actually got in the building. Like, also, they knew that they were going there because they didn't even start at the Capitol. They started in mm-hmm. front of the White House where Trump was giving a speech, right? 
and then they marched. Like if they had time to march, you'd think that the police would also have time to move the thousands of extra troops that they have in DC to to the Capitol. And I, I say thousands because obviously there were, I think there were a couple thousand police officers there, correct? I don't remember the exact numbers, but it is, it is a fact that after 9-11, the Capitol upped the number of Capitol police officers by I think five times. I think it was originally 500 and I think now it's close to 2,500. Um, and again, don't quote me on those numbers, but all I'm saying is that you knew that they were coming. Regardless of whether or not they had actually arrived, you are the US government and seriously the most powerful people in our government, minus the Supreme Court and the president, were all present. That isn't a thing that you just take, you know, like that's not just a thing where you're like, oh, well, we don't know for sure, so it'll be fine. Like the troops we have are enough. No you you know like you just don't take risks with stuff like that i don't feel like that's a very arguable point you know if you want american democracy democracy to survive please do everything you can to protect it that's an actual very reasonable thing for you to move an extra few thousand national guard members or just regular police officers in Mm -hmm. for because that's a very credible threat and then also there was the whole like there were these cops taking photos with them inside that didn't yeah. really seem like the you were doing all you and, could like, do, the videos you know? Are all very... and I'm, yeah, and I'm sure that there were some officers there that were actually very, like, really, really, really trying to do their job and stuff. And to those people, thanks. But to whoever was heading that police guard and whoever made the decision to, like, you know, not call extra people, I do what's also... wrong with you? Well, they can't call extra people without the president doing it. And Mike Pence was actually the one uh, that uh, went uh, over yeah, Trump's head. So I don't... I, I don't think you can really blame all cops and or all the things for everything that happened because they still have people that they have to respond to. Like they can't they can't just like say we need more people. Like they can say we need more people, but they can't just bring out more people. They have to go. There's like strict policies. <laughs> I do think it's important to note that we're not saying that what happened at January 6th should have paralleled what happened with the Black Lives Matter protests. What we're pointing out Absolutely is not. the disparity between how the cops reacted during the Black Lives Matter movement and during January 6th. The huge gap of it, technology and equipment and response is what we're pointing out and what we're yeah. talking about. Yeah, you have... Yeah, yeah. Usually, peaceful in almost every case, peaceful Black Lives Matter protesters, and then an armed crowd of almost entirely white people storming the Capitol building with, again, our like most powerful government figures, and the response was so different. That speaks volumes. And it's also. One thing that always yeah sorry all of that long winded stuff went into that point. <laughs> One thing that always trips me up about how protests are, like how the protests are reacted to, it always trips me up that there's an amendment in our constitution that allows for peaceful protesting, and yet peaceful protests are responded to with tear gas and rubber bullets. It never ceases to confuse me how that happens. I think that goes with the culture that Trump put out like he put out this culture that you know that protesting was considered to be a riot I think from the moment that he was in office 
And so, I don't know. I just think that it's it's more than just, like, Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's not even just like Trump administration either. It's all a protest. Like the same thing happened when people were protesting the Vietnam War. You know? It's always been like this. Yeah. And it confuses me to no extent. I think it's just like the this terrible culture that yeah. our country has. You know what I mean? Like it's it's kind of like a juxtaposition where you know we say we want to have freedom of speech, yeah. But then there's this culture behind that amendment that you know these protests are considered riots. Yeah, does that make sense? I don't necessarily believe that, but I do think that there's a culture behind. I also think that that's a really important thing to note, like the difference between. There, there were certain, there were a very, very, very select few. I, 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 I don't, I don't want to put a number to it or even say a select few because I don't actually remember. But I think there were a couple Black Lives Matter protests that turned into or had like parts that turned into riots, mm-hmm. but they were usually provoked, like. And there was yeah. there's a lot of other factors. Normally, there. sometimes after the tear gas is thrown. Yeah, like there's there's a lot of other stuff to unpack there versus people showing up armed. You know, like yeah, that's really different. Which again goes into the response that's different, and it's it's kind of blatantly racist. <laughs> yeah, it's also like interesting to think about how like the freedom of speech amendment tends to get twisted you know like some people will say hateful things or you know we'll just say hate speech plain out and be like oh but i'm I'm using my freedom of speech yeah and but it's kind of twisted you know i feel like there has to be so much more clarification to our amendments i don't yeah it's it's very vague it's very broad like I think people easily manipulate it to then. So when you do contradict someone, then they bring out the amendments and then it's kind of hard to argue back towards that because you're like, yeah, well, you're not but wrong, it's but it's morally, just not yeah. morally right. Like, like I don't, and I think this is kind of another thing where I think I, I talked to both of you guys about is like when we were talking to Ben, I would say Ben is pretty, republican more but you know he does have some democratic Mm. views um but i think we all kind of noticed that republicans tend to think more about money and less about morals emily did we talk to you about this and 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 i think well i i also listened to the podcast that you guys um had with him so i mean i think another i think that's kind of a part of it is that they don't really think about morals and like what's the right thing to do based off of another person's background and i and i think that kind of goes with their privilege um you know multiple layers of privilege too a lot of the time it's privilege of of growing up in a economically stable household a lot of the time it's privilege of your skin color it's privilege of you know, living yeah. in a city. Yeah, well, like ju- so- just like there's intersectionality yeah. for discrimination, 
there is also intersectionality. intersectionality That's why when people are like rich, cishet, white men, that's because that's layers and layers and layers of privilege there, right? Like Mm -hmm. you are a white person that gives you an innate privilege. You are a man that gives you an innate privilege. You're not a member of the LGBT community that gives you an innate privilege. Like there's a lot of layers there. And yeah, (laughs) sorry, Emily, back to what you were saying. Yeah. And I, um, I actually had just a discussion with my mom. Um, I'm white. I've been born with two white parents and I've had an amazing privilege of like my parents went to college. Their parents went to college, except one of my grandparents didn't, but, um, like I've had immense privilege and, the reason that I believe the way I believe is because of my mom's opinions. It's never been my dad's Mm -hmm. side of the family. Um, They're very conservative. Um, And my mom and I were actually talking about the other day and she was like, I don't think that I would believe the way I believed if, if it wasn't because of where I grew up. My mom grew up, you know, she was white. She was very privileged. She did go, to a great college her parents went to a great college but at the end of the day they ended up you know my grandparents had five four kids and you know that comes with a lot of money so they ended up being pretty poor which gives (laughs) a different outlook too you know yeah yeah and exactly and so my grandparents actually on my mom's side were very I guess what you what you would consider conservative um, until my grandma actually was in the public school system. And so, and she actually taught like kids from different backgrounds that, you know, hadn't really known math. Mm-hmm. And so she was teaching these senior kids like, you know, algebra, you know, slowly pre-calc so that they could eventually get into college where, you know, enough was enough, you know what I mean? So my mom was, and I were talking about this and I, and I didn't think about this before, but she was like, I don't think my grant, my parents would believe the way they believe if they hadn't been in that situation of, you know, my, of her mom having to teach under, you know, like, minority groups otherwise I wouldn't believe the way I believe probably and my mom would probably believe the way I believe so I think it also kind of depicts kind of your story like where you know what do you see and I think that's a lot to do with I kind of feel bad for like my grandparents on my dad's side because they they haven't learned like they didn't get to experience different cultures and different backgrounds and I think while I don't agree with what they believe, I do feel kind of bad for them because I, you know, I've had the privilege of, you know, Sage, I learned about, you know, Hindi and all that kind of culture that I didn't know before. And, you know, I, we go to a school where there's different backgrounds that I've never heard before until I came to this school. Like, I think it's also based off of where you, like, what you surround yourself with. And I think that's kind of where perspective comes into play and I think Ben's such an interesting case because he's part of our culture at school where we're super diverse and like learning different backgrounds but somehow he he has this perspective of you know we need to earn money we need 
we need our economy to be better. And the, well, that is great. I agree. Like we are in major debt. Um, we also need to think about the people that live here. Yeah, I'd like, like to touch really quick back on like, what you were saying earlier about Republicans thinking a lot more about money than morality. Um, and you touched on that yeah. note about Ben. And so actually that's for our lovely listeners. That's another unreleased podcast that we have um, is Phoebe and I recorded a podcast about Ronald Reagan and capitalism, a discussion, just the two of us and Ben. Um, And I'm not sure if that one will end up being released because it ended up getting very, very uh, debate-y and technical and was kind of less of a conversation. It got really dense, which is totally fine. And it was really fun to do, perhaps maybe not as fun to listen to. Um, And so what Emily mentioned about economy versus morality is something that I think Phoebe and I, I don't want to speak for you, Phoebe, but I think it's something we both kind of realized about halfway into the conversation was we, the two of us and Ben were coming at it from very different angles. Yeah. It's something that I've always kind of like known about my point of view and more conservative point of views is that they will always look at money and profitability and economy but it really hit me when we were talking with Ben that he just kept coming back to money. And I was yeah. like, man, you're not getting what I'm saying. Actually, even his arguments about morality or how... Say, we're like always, would we, always resort to some sort of profit. Yeah, and we talked about Ronald Reagan and stuff. And he was like, actually, he was really good because like he did all this like money stuff for these people. And it's like, okay, but you're not... <laughs> Like Phoebe said, I think that it's something that I've sort of always, I guess, had in my head. I just didn't quite put, like, a name to it until that conversation Mm -hmm. where I was like, all of these, when you look from a pedestal of privilege, and obviously everybody has a different pedestal, and everybody's pedestal is of slightly different heights or vastly different heights. Mm Mm-hmm. When you get to, when you're able to look down on something, it's very easy for you to get lost in the numbers of it. If mm-hmm. you look only from an economy perspective, if your goal in life, if you've already been set up to be fairly successful and what you want to do is make more money, then that's how you get to look at the world. But if you don't have that pedestal underneath you, you have to deal with the reality of the situation. And that might not come down to numbers for you. That might come down to family members that you see getting hurt or screwed over by the systems that our country has put in place. And I think that that's a really big, big, big difference between how Republicans and Democrats look at all of these issues. And you can even look at that with the COVID relief bill that we've, you know, like Mm -hmm. the several of them that have been proposed and negotiated and renegotiated before being passed in the past few months is Republicans will look at the price tag and say it's too much, while Democrats are looking at the people starving and suffering in their homes and saying, we really need to do something about this. Yeah. And then it's even more fascinating to think about how we handled COVID COVID relief versus, you know, other countries. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, God. Also talking about, sorry, Emily, you mentioned uh, we were talking about like public school education and stuff just in the context of your grandmother. But there's also kind of, there's anti-intellectualism in America, which is incredibly frustrating to me. Like talking to my grandparents about vaccine production in India and how everyone is like super, super excited to get the vaccine. They're all waiting and stuff because there's Mm -hmm. trust in science and 
people who know what they're doing. And that's not present in America as much anymore. Yeah. It's really interesting, too, how that happened. Because America is... A lot of America has a very deep touch with religion. And it's not... It's like that in other countries, too. But it's a really fascinating case in our country, specifically. Mama, it's printed on our dollar bills. (laughs) Yeah. And God we trust. Like, and also there's a ton of people who, there are people like Amy Coney Barrett, who got, you know, is now on the Supreme Court, who, what's the name of like the, she, there's, there's a religious group that she's affiliated with that is also problematic. But I was actually thinking about, she's one of the people. Huh? Originalist. Originalist. But she's also, she's an originalist, which means she wants to go back to like their like the original language of the like, constitution look at right? the constitution exactly as it is yeah no look at the constitution exactly as it is which is really interesting because i mean it's interesting because there are a lot of people who support her the uber conservatives who are like my first amendment my second amendment rights you know like i can protest i can have guns <laughs> which is interesting because those really weren't there when the constitution was first established but uh let's forget about all that and the problems that it comes with and just think about like we have separation of church and state in America for a reason that's actually not written into our constitution mm-hmm. if you go back to the original like the constitution as it was originally written that's nowhere in there they didn't make yeah. that qualification and and even then sometimes there's not really a separation of church and state there are some beliefs intertwined with religion in general that I just don't really think should be baked into our laws. Yeah. Anyway, we kind of got derailed. Yeah, so let's go back to... We kind of covered January 6th. We want to talk about the equipment and the trial and all that. Yeah, actually, I think... I, I really think we should. How did you guys... How did you guys feel about the impeachment? Like, when you when it was official that he was going to be impeached, what did you think, Emily? Well, here's my thing. My thing is, like, trying to figure out whether or not the impeachment was constitutional or not. I personally think that he was, like, the trial, like, I guess, opened when he was in office. Like, I guess the discussion of the trial, like, you know happening was when he was in office so that's why I think it's constitutional but I also see like the point of like it not being not you know not being constitutional however I do think that January 6th with a was a special consideration to where I think whether it was constitutional or not like Trump did you know he put all of like our voting um put our democratic system in jeopardy yeah in jeopardy he did and he said that like everything was a like going to be fraudulent from the moment that you know that the moment he like the election started you know what i mean like i just i think this was such a special case that no matter if it is unconstitutional it was it was something that has never been done or seen before. Yeah. So I think 
you know, if someone was to do that, you know, from, you know, when America first started, they would, you know, they would have been hung. Like, let's just not be saying that he like, should have been. Yeah. No, 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 no. I'm not saying that. I do think that his there should have been like more talk about what happened on January 6th and what led up to January 6th um, during his trials and what instead of it's uncon- instead of that it's unconstitutional be, or it's constitutional. I didn't even know that was an argument. <laughs> really? I just yeah. Oh, I didn't even it was know. the it's biggest. Big, so actually, that's why all the Republican senators have been shooting it down because they don't want to publicly say that they're they're like they're trying you know they don't want to upset the trump base however they also know that what he did was jacked up so they're going off the argument that oh well he's out of office so we just shouldn't be trying him in the first place that's messed up but the but where i'm confused is that the trial started when he was office you know what i mean like i heard that that's where I get confused. I heard this thing. I think it, I think it was a bit from like Jimmy Kimmel, but I actually think that it's a really good analogy. And it's if you set a house on fire <laughs> and you let it burn, if it's not burning anymore, that doesn't mean you don't get tried for arson. Yeah. Like you yeah. don't just like you, you know, like you don't just like casually burn down a building. Yeah. You're like, why are you trying me? It's over now. It's over. It's burnt. Yeah, <laughs> like I don't ashes. have any matches. I don't yeah. have any matches in my hand at this exact moment. Like I'm not gonna light another building on fire. You know, like yeah. Or, I, sorry, I took that a little bit far, but it's it's the argument, right? Like, yeah, okay, he's not in office, but even disregarding the fact that his base is so culture, like. They follow him so cultishly that he could totally incite another riot. Mm-hmm. Even if or, you ignore I that, mean, it's I... just that he clearly did something messed up. And so a criminal investigation isn't really like, that's not super arguable. <laughs> like, Yeah. The... I also think that not only does it go against everything that Amer- like we're made of, um, but people died during that mm-hmm. riot like senators could have Mitt, it, Rom- uh, Mitt Romney almost did no, they yeah. almost caught him I mean did you hear like the videos of you know what they were posting about the uh January 6th where they were like saying were like, like hello yeah. we're here not even the videos like, they set up gallows literally, they literally set up I a stand so to hang scared. Mike Pence what the yeah yes. I, I didn't hear that but they were like calling him names and literally looking to kill him they literally they said they no, were there to yes. kill nancy pelosi yeah like yeah also that's why i i don't know if y'all saw this but like a couple weeks ago uh aoc said something and then ted cruz was like i agree with her let's i want to work with you on this and then she was like hey thanks but no thanks you tried to have me assassinated two weeks ago i'm good <laughs> Um, yeah, <laughs> and people were really mad, and there was even a Republican senator or congressman, I think it was a congressman who, you know, like house rep, mm-hmm. who ended up like writing a letter to Nancy Pelosi demanding that Nancy Pelosi make AOC apologize. <laughs> and this was kind of a, I guess, a more central. But, but, but that's Republic. freedom of speech. That's freedom <laughs> yeah, of speech. But actually, I was just going to say she's not wrong like 
that was that was my only thing is I heard it and my initial reaction was okay I like her but I actually agree that's kind of harsh and bipartisanship I do genuinely think should be a goal I don't I like my first reaction was oh she shouldn't have said that and I was thinking about it and I was like I mean she's not lying though like it's not it's kind of funny but it's not like they there were a bunch of people there who said they were there to like hurt her you know Mm -hmm. and Ted Cruz was kind of directly backing Donald Trump who very much definitely incited that and so she's not wrong I do want to go back to like when I said that I hadn't heard that like there were arguments of it being unconstitutional of the impeachment trial going through the main arguments that I had heard was before that they impeached him and or like yeah before they impeached him and before like the trial began was people saying should we should they even bother because he's going to be out of office soon and I remember reading and thinking yeah they should because if they do go through with it, he can't run for office again. And if they yeah. do yeah. charge him, he can't run for office again. And that's really what we need. Which is... Well, did well? you heard the results, Yeah, right? my mom told me yesterday. Yeah. He's been acquitted. He's yeah. been acquitted, which... Yeah. It's, it's painful. <laughs> we know. It's like watching a... Sh- it's like watching a movie that you've already seen before and knew ended horribly. It's so crazy And you're doing how, it again just for kicks. Like, when I heard that he was impeached again and they were going through with it again, I was like, oh, lovely, second time's the charm. Like, at this point, we might as well go for three. But it's just crazy. Like, this, he's making history again. He's been making history since the day he got elected. My and why are we just point. letting him keep doing it? You know what I mean? My dad made a point to me today mm-hmm. of it really scares me how, like, the precedent that this is setting. Yeah. Because that's what so much of law is based off of, right? Is like historically, how has this been treated? Like, have we addressed a problem like this before? And so Trump being acquitted for both of these things kind of makes it easier for it to happen in the future. Like, if another president has, you know, like a fun little quid pro quo moment with another government body in the future, whoever that guy's lawyers may be can look back at 2019 or well 2020 because it was mm-hmm. man 2020 was a long year and be like oh well that guy <laughs> got off clearly it's fine mm-hmm. you know <laughs> yeah like we're just setting up these like situations to happen that. that's really yeah, scary. scary and i think and i think that also goes with what happened in january 6th i know we're not on that topic I mean, but kind of you know the idea of of some of people of people that live in our country being able to storm the capital like what could other people do that you know internationally and you know while i do um i don't really think that there's me like many countries that are gonna like try to come after us um but i do think that that's a big possibility especially since you know we kind of showed that it can be done in our own country which is something to be said that like why can't that happen to someone else and be a little bit you know bigger Mm -hmm. you know I mean look I'll say I am uh, talking about a lot of this stuff makes me like very angry and I'm very passionate about it and that can make me prone to hyperbole Mm -hmm. um and I've hyperbolized a bit but I just mean 
I think that the biggest takeaway from not the Donald Trump presidency in general, but everything that we've seen since since before like right up before election day all the way through now sets up a deeper distrust of the systems that we have in place and while a lot of those systems are corrupt or at least broken in some way and definitely need to be fixed or reworked it's really really dangerous to have to have the system broken down entirely like that or be at risk of that. And I genuinely think that before Donald Trump came in office, the idea of America coming apart at the seams seemed a lot more far-fetched. Yeah. And even at the beginning of his presidency, kind of honestly up until this last year, our whole democracy coming apart at the seams seemed a lot less likely, but now There is so much distrust on both sides, some for good reasons, some for not good reasons, that it would take a lot less to break down our country and our system of government right now than it would at kind of any other time in history. Yeah, and that's really scary. Because it's so, yeah, it's so confusing and convoluted. No one trusts anyone. We don't, tr- we don't trust the systems and we don't trust other people. And that means that there's not really a great way to fix it because you don't have, there's no solid ground for anybody to stand on and say, hey, this is right and have a majority of people agree with them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that was a brilliant way of putting yeah. it and a great way to like completely solidify everything that we said. Um, I think that's a great ending, you guys. <laughs> you guys don't yeah, we want, covered you guys all of would our like points. to just end it there. Yeah, it was it was yeah. a little scattered, but I think I think we touched on all of it or at least a good chunk of the stuff that's Post happened election. in the last few months. Yeah. 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 Okay. Well, thank you guys for listening to this podcast. Again, Happy Valentine's Day. I know it's not Valentine's Day when you're going to hear this, but we're recording this on Sunday, so it's Valentine's Day for us. Um, But I hope you guys liked our reflection on the election and just kind of overall Trump administration, Biden administration, all that kind of stuff, Um, impeachment trials, and just everything. Anyway. Okay. Thank you all for listening. Thank you. Um, be sure to listen to our next week's episode. We're trying to become more weekly now. <laughs> <laughs> We're working yeah. on it. <laughs> Getting there. <laughs> yes, very close. <laughs> okay. Well, bye. bye Thank bye. you. Next week.